Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. First, let us pray and then we'll jump in. So, Father, we just thank you for your word that is alive, that is living, that gives us life, but also gives us instruction and hope. And so, Father, we pray that this morning you would reveal to us what it is you would want us to personally um, take away from this chapter. So, Father, we just submit ourselves to you and we pray for revelation and illumination from your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's jump in. Um, this uh, chapter is loaded with stuff. So I'm going to start. I'm actually going to work ahead a few verses, and then we're going to double back a little bit. So let me read from uh, verse 1. Then Moses, well, before I do that, so just try to remember, keep in mind chapter 3, and we had that whole burning bush experience, this call on Moses. And at this point, Moses is trying to work this all out. So verse one, then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. Um, let me jump ahead. Um, then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? A staff, I replied. The Lord said, throw it to the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took a hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This said the Lord so that they may, they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And so let's work back from here. So he asked the question, what is in your hand? And this is such a powerful question. And um, there's a principle here regarding how God uses people, right? So God used what Moses had in his hand. Um, remember Moses had spent years tending sheep. And those years were not useless. God was intending to use those experiences. Um, those years had put into Moses' hands the things he could use for God's glory. Um, God didn't want to use the scepter that was in Moses' royal hand, but he did want to use the staff. Um, I just want to check that we're all muted there. Okay, that's better. Okay. Now, God likes to use what is in our hands, right? So I'm going to give us a few examples here. Uh, Judges 3.31, God used what was in Shamgar's hand. He killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. So an ox goad is like a long stick with a metal piece on the end that they would use to prod the, the oxen. Um, 1 Samuel 17.49, 
God used what was in David's hand. What was in David's hand? A sling or some stones that he used to kill Goliath. Uh, Judges 15, 15. God uses the jawbone of a donkey in Samson's hand to strike down a thousand men, right? Pretty incredible. Um, John 6, 9. God uses five loaves and two fish in the hand of a little boy. So we see this pattern here that God wants to use what's in your hands. Um, I'm going to back up a little now, back to verse one and two. And I'm going to read verse one again. And he says, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So it wasn't wrong for Moses to initially ask, um, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? That was in Exodus 3.11. Yeah, that was a logical question considering how great the task was, right? This is a huge thing. Yet God answers that question more than adequately in Exodus 3, where he says, I'll certainly be with you. After that point, and in this passage, Moses' question shows unbelief, right? So we see this unbelief um, in himself and his call in his life. So um, there's this idea that I think Moses is suffering from imposter syndrome, right? It's a self-induced, self-sabotaging mindset that stems from feelings of inadequacy. And Moses is suffering from this lack of belief in himself. Um, I want to tell you this morning that God sees that and he wants to break that false testimony of your life. If you are feeling the same um, feelings of inadequ inadequacy, you know, if you are have that self-sabotaging mindset, those are lies from the enemy. And so the question this morning, one of the questions is, what lies are you believing from the enemy? And along with that, what ministry or action um, or task is God calling you to do? You know, what is, what is God calling you to do like he called Moses to do? And what unbelief is stopping you from doing that? I want to share a little bit of my testimony with you. Uh, my call to ministry was so clear in 1995. Well, guess when I went into ministry? Not in 1995. <laughs> it was in 2000, uh, 2008. It took me 13 years to believe the call that God had in my life. And, you know, I hope that each of you don't walk that same journey. And your call might not be to ministry. It might be to starting a connect group, um, sharing with your neighbor, um, serving somebody at work. But God might be calling you to serve in a specific way, purely just to be the hands or feet of Jesus. So I want to encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to be your guide. You know, don't, don't allow the unbelief and the lies of the enemy to derail the plan that God has for you, right? God has a plan for each one of you. And um, me personally, a couple of years ago, maybe five years ago, six years ago, I had to go through a process of unlearning the lies of the enemy, right? and allowing the Holy Spirit to, 
to replace those things with his truth. And, and like Moses, sometimes we will have to go through a process, but God's calling us to something greater. Okay, let's go on. Um, okay, so we do this. I'm going to just find my place here. Okay, so after God asked him what's in his hand, yeah, we spoke about how God wants to use what's in your hand, like these many people, many other instances we spoke of. And the first thing that he had was a staff. And so this is the same rod that would part the Red Sea. It would strike a rock and water would come out. It's the same staff that we raised over battle until Israel, Israel won. And later on, it would be called the rod of God. So this simple staff that he had as a um, shepherd or someone who watched animals would become a powerful weapon and tool um, in his hands with God leading him. Um, it became a snake. So not only did Moses' rod become a snake, it became a real snake that probably frightened the what's-his-name out of him, and he ran from it, and then God says, grab it by the tail, which is probably the most dangerous place you can grab a snake. And so that's the moment when faith stepped in, when God goes, do this. And as he does it, you know, his faith is brought to fruition and that snake turns back into the staff. So in this little incident, Moses learns how to do what God is asking him to do, even when it was uncomfortable, because it's not comfortable to pick up a snake. Um, as far as I, as far as I, yeah, if you ask me, I think God made a mistake when he created snakes. I hate them, <laughs> but this was a big deal for him. So here's a question. Um, what has God put in your hands? We could extend that to say, what is he put in your heart? What spiritual gifts has he given you? Are you able to see what God sees in you? And, you know, this is why it's so important to be around our Christian community, our brothers and sisters, um, to be in a connect group, right? Because iron sharpens iron, and we see things in each other that we can't see in ourselves. And sometimes it takes a word from a brother or a sister to go, man, I see, I see how you're gifted in that way. I see how you served in that way. I see how that gift or that skill um, <laughs> is... Um, Bringing glory to God. I'm just looking at the chat here. Uh, yeah, no snakes in my future. Yep. <laughs> so are you able to see what God sees in you and call that out in each other? Yeah, let's go on. Um, he's, he says, I have so many notes in here. So verse 4. Uh, let's go to verse 5. So verse 5, so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of your fathers, has appeared to you. Now, this miracle would make the, the children of Israel recognize that this is the God of Abram, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And the God of the covenant has not forsaken them. So that covenant that God had made with um, Abraham was still true, and God was going to bring that to fruition. Um, verse 6 or 9. Okay, we're getting into the signs here. 
Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, actually, did I miss one? No. Um, when he took it out, the skin was leprous, and it became white as snow. Verse 7, now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first two signs, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Okay, so when he put his hand into his cloak and took it out, it was restored. And so that sign and the rod turning into a snake both of those two speak about transformation right that something good and useful uh became something evil and then was transformed back again so the message in these first two signs is moses if you obey me your enemies will be made powerless so that's the message from the first two or a message now the third part there where he says the water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Now, this third one is a, a simply a sign of judgment, right? Um, the good pure waters of the Nile, and remember the Nile is or was the lifeblood of the Egyptian um, nation at that time, right? And when the waters were made foul by turning to blood, um, they didn't turn back again, right? And this shows that um, that miracle did not transform the hearts of the people, right? So the Egyptians were hard of heart. They didn't listen to God. Um, so he says, they do not believe even those signs or listen to your voice, then um, show them that the sign of judgment is upon them. So the last one is the, the sign of judgment on them. Okay, so verse 10, uh, Moses says to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. Now, that's a very interesting statement that he makes, because um, 40 years before this, where was Moses? He was in Egypt, right? And in Acts 2, Acts 7.22, it says, Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptian and was mighty in words and deeds. So here's a guy who actually was eloquent and, you know, he was this mighty man in Egypt, but he is saying to God, oh, I'm not eloquent, I've never been. And so again, we see the heart issue, right? Where he's going, I can't do this. And so um, his self-confidence was gone. So I think that's probably one of the biggest things that has happened. Even though he was this man that was mighty in words and deeds, he's lost that confidence, right? He has lost um, all of that um, articulation. So uh, Moses' complaint was not in... It was in his, ability, in his inability to take command of Hebrew and Egyptian, 
where heavy of tongue means difficulty with a foreign language. Okay, verse 11 and 12. So this is God's response to Moses' excuses. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and teach you what to say. So the fact that Moses believes that he was not eloquent is besides the point, right? The God who created the most eloquent mouse who ever lived was on his side, and he doesn't get it. Uh, verse 11, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight? Who makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? And so this is a dramatic statement here that reveals the sovereignty of God, right? Um, because there's this invitation to trust God and to work with him. So in this declaration, um, it is never that God is so mighty that we can't do anything, but it is always God is so mighty that he can work through us if we make ourselves available. That's a powerful thing, right? God is so mighty that he can work through us if we make ourselves available. Um, so God has declared that in certain cases, he has created physical infirmities, right? Because we know that exist in this broken world. He doesn't offer us, offer us an explanation why, he just declares the fact. Um, this could become one of the greater cha greatest challenges of our faith, right? If I can overcome this hurdle, I will have a greater faith in God. In fact, if only I believe what I can't understand, which takes faith, right? Um, that only, that takes faith, wait, it doesn't take faith, um, it doesn't take intellect, but it takes faith. Now, believing what I can't understand is a step of faith which honors God, um, Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So sometimes there's gonna be things we don't understand, and the question is, can I believe what I can't understand because God is trying to work with me and through me to do something incredible, right? Because sometimes I just have to have faith and believe in those things that are unseen or those things that are not understandable in our human context. Okay. Uh, verse 13. Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. How many times has that been the uh, story of our lives, right? I hear you, God, but send someone else, please. I, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. Um, it's uncomfortable. Um, I might have to sacrifice something. I don't want to do that. And then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. That frightens me a little bit. I don't want the Lord's anger to burn against me. Um, and he said, what about your brother? Aaron the Levite, I know he can speak well. In fact, he's already on his way to meet you. So God hears him and he goes, well, you know what? Stop whining because I've already made a plan to fix this and he will be glad to see you. And verse 15, pay attention to this. It says, you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you 
and it will be as if he were your mouth and it, and as if you were God to him. So he's saying, um, I've spoken to you, you're going to speak to him. And when he speaks, it's going to be like you're speaking, which is going to be like if God is speaking. So, but take the staff in your hand so you can perform signs with it. Okay, so, so finally we find uh, Moses is done with some excuses here. And he's like, well, okay, we can go with um, this Aaron guy. Now, let me just find my place here. Okay. So there might be a hundred understandable reasons why Moses wasn't willing, right? Some of them make sense. Um, maybe he didn't want to serve. Maybe he was unwilling because of past rejection. Um, but the truth was that Moses was unwilling, not unable. I think that's very important. He's unwilling, not unable. So here's a statement I want to make. You are able because of who God is, but are you willing? Right? You are able because of who God is, but are you willing? So let's talk a little bit about his brother, Aaron the Levite. Now, um, God brings Aaron to help lead with Moses. It was an expression of his rebuking of Moses, right? Not of his approval or giving in, but because Aaron was actually more of a problem to Moses than a help, right? So if we look at Aaron's history, this is the same guy who instigated the worship of the golden calf, right? So Moses goes up the mountain, Aaron goes bonkers. Uh, Aaron's sons blaspheme God with impure offerings. It's in Leviticus 10. Um, and also Aaron led a mutiny against Moses, who's Numbers 12, 1 to 8. So um, Moses must have looked back at this and said, you know, the Lord gave Aaron to me as a partner and possibly because the Lord was angry <laughs> with Moses and because Aaron, even though he was a smooth talker, was a man who was weak on content, right? This is a guy who could actually appease the people, but his words were not the words of a leader. So Moses had to put the words of God into his mouth. And when Moses wasn't there, he didn't have the words of God's words of God in his mouth and things went awry, right? Every time Moses left, things went crazy. Aaron just did his own thing. So you can think of Aaron like a modern day newsreader. He does nothing but read what others have written for him. So not that useful. So Aaron wasn't God's spokesperson. He was the spokesman of, of Moses. Um, God doesn't need leaders like that, right? It isn't God's way to have a man minister as a smooth talker and not be qualified for leadership. God wants to combine those two things, right? He wants us to be um, able to speak, but also lead. And so what, what Aaron lacked was that heart of a leader and the heart of God. Okay. Where are we? 624. Okay, so verse 18. Okay, so now Moses is asking his father-in-law to let him go to Egypt. So then Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, let me return to my own people in Egypt. 
and this is very interesting, to see if any of them are still alive. He doesn't say what God has called him to do. He says, let me go see if they're still alive. Now, um, when Moses did go, you know, I don't think he had any idea that he was, when he answered the Lord's call, that he was going to see the Egyptian army closing in, that he would see the Red Sea parting, um, that he would see water come from a rock, manna from heaven, battles won through prayer. None of these things were in his mind right now, right? He couldn't see these things. Um, could he see the tabernacle book, the priest consecrated, the spies that would be sent forth, you know, 30-something years later on the top of a mountain when he looked over and saw the promised land, um, I don't think he saw any of this right. He was just going, let me go. And I don't think Moses really knew what he was getting into, right? So when he says, let me return to my own people to see if any of them are still alive, he doesn't tell um, Jethro the real reason. He just says, I need to go back. And maybe he felt like this story that would unfold was too fantastic. But I think at this point, he was willing to just let God demonstrate his words through fulfilling this call, right? It wasn't that important to tell him why he was going. It was more important for his testimony to explain who God was through the things he would do. So I think a statement here, it's more important and more beneficial for others to see the fruit of God's guidance in your life than to hear you explain all you believe God said to you. That makes sense? Sometimes people are not going to really understand what God said to you and what called you to. What does matter is that they see the fruit of God's um, working out what he's called you to do. So, okay, we're going to move on a little bit. Um, we have a couple of minutes left. I might be a little selective here. Okay, so verse, verse 19, now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, go back to Egypt for all those who wanted to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife, his sons, put them on a donkey and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God. Now it's called the staff of God in his hand. The Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I've given you the power to do. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Uh, then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son, and I told you, let my son go so he may worship me. But you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. Okay. Um, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here. I'm going to keep going. Uh, verse 24. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses. And this is quite an incredible verse. So the Lord's called him. He's sending him. Um, he said, I'm going to give you Aaron. Um, I've given you the ability to do all these signs and wonders with the staff and the water in his hand. And verse 24 says, at a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. Why? <laughs> so verse 25 says, his wife Zipporah took a knife, cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it. 
surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said, so the Lord let him alone. Okay, so what happened here? Now, this is important. So God's confronting Moses um, in the strongest possible way, right? Because Moses had not circumcised his son. Now, was it the fact that he had not circumcised his son? No, it was the fact that he was disobedient in listening to God. And God demanded that he had set his heart right before he could enter Egypt and fulfill the call of his life. And so I think this is often a point of confrontation in the life of a leader where God demands that we lay something aside, um, some area of compromise that's in our life that will allow us to progress further. Well, that will not allow us to progress any further until we lay that thing down, right? So the question is, what area of compromise is there in your life? What circumcision needs to happen so that obedience can be established to move you forward in the path of God's blessing, all right? What is God calling you to, to do and what is hindering you from truly fulfilling what God is calling you to do, all right? So think about that. Um, it is 6.30. I'm gonna just give us a quick summary here um, of some of the things that we just discussed. So here's some of the questions and statements that we just, that we had this morning. So what lies are you believing from the enemy? Um, what ministry or action or task is God calling you to? Um, what has God put in your hands? We could extend that to say, what is it? What is he put in your heart? What spiritual gifts has he given you? What talents has he given you that he wants to use? Um, can I believe what I cannot understand, right? Sometimes we have to step out in faith. Um, statement. You are able because of who God is. Are you willing? Okay. And then the last one is what I just said before. What area of compromise is there in your life? What circumcision needs to happen so that obedience can be established to move you forward in the path of God's blessing? Oh, thank you guys. It's 6.30. I could go on, but this chapter's fully loaded. <laughs> and I think we've got some great reflections here that we can focus on. Um, let me pray for you. And I hope you guys have a great day and a great weekend. So let me pray. Father, we just thank you for the, your word, which um, brings illumination to our hearts, which exposes um, the innermost depths of, of who we are. And Father, we pray that we would answer some of these questions today, that we would um, recognize the call you have on us, Father, that we would um, not believe the lies of the enemy, um, that imposter syndrome, Father, that we would believe what the Holy Spirit says about us, that we are wonderfully made, that we are enough, Father, that we are loved by you. Father, we pray that you would um, allow us to see those areas in our life that are holding us back um, from fully serving you, from fully stepping into the blessing of what you have called us to. So, Father, we pray that you would forgive us and that you would identify things and you would allow us to cut those things off and be set free. Father, we just, we thank you that uh, we are able because 
um, you are willing because you are God. And so, Father, we just pray that this morning you would um, just challenge us to um, step out in faith, that you would equip us. We thank you so much that you love us, Father. We just worship you and we praise you and we thank you that you are our God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Have a great weekend.